We're here, we're queer, and we got mixed reviews. We do. <laughs> well done. Oh my god, I just came up with that right now. I did not practice yeah. that. That, uh, it rhymes too. Mm-hmm. I just, I can't imagine where that came from. In your head, I Louis. Know. How do you work so things smart. out? Uh, <laughs> god, it's really hard being me, you know? Yeah, I, I can see that. <laughs> um, that's, ooh, that was much meaner than it was. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, I'm Gavin. I'm Louis. And this is the Mixed Reviews. Uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, I'm, I'm always trying to live by the rule that everybody's every episode of a podcast is someone's first episode of a podcast. Oh, okay. So here at the Mixed Reviews, uh, this is a podcast where we take a person in the film community, be them an actor or filmmaker, uh, mostly actors and filmmakers. Yes, correct. And we look at some of the highs of their careers and some of the lows of their careers. Yeah, we just do a deep dive into all the stuff they've been doing and... And then we like to talk about it. Yeah, exactly. Talk shit, get hit. <laughs> and uh, so this week we decided to. Uh, I like. I like where we're going. I like that we're not sticking inside any boxes. Yeah, um, I think we like on our list. We we had written down um, this guy's name, and we're like, when will we do this? And um, yeah, so today we're talking about Hayao Miyazaki. Correct. Um, I do want to give just a general warning beforehand. Uh, I don't know how good Louis is at pronouncing things. I can't pronounce things in English, uh-huh. so this episode is going to be a real challenge. Please forgive me, any Japanese-speaking people, uh, whether it's your first language or second language. But also, just tweet <laughs> Gavin that he's yes. a fucking idiot. Exactly. <laughs> for the rest of eternity. The, so I'll just be sitting here in a corner with a giant dunce cap uh-huh. and just uh-huh. like, <laughs> I'm the smartest man in the world. <laughs> um, it's Mia Zaki. But uh, but yeah, this was a this was a really fascinating one. This yeah. is an interesting challenge. I was telling um some friends of the show like this is the first time I think I got some fatigue watching all these movies, and I don't know why because for the most part he makes really good movies and uh, they're enjoyable, but they are so dense. Yeah, and so these are not movies that just like you can put on and kind of like not really you you need to invest in these movies um uh, because they're so layered and you you miss a lot from just uh well that's like you texted me uh like in, during the second week because we take two weeks for every episode and um you said the thing that is the most true which is these are not bingeable films no and like they're, they're really like, not i was like oh i watched like you know one movie today usually i watch like two a day I was like, today I cannot watch any more of this. <laughs> and it's just like, the, these are complicated movies, you know? It's not yeah. just like, I mean, and it's crazy. Um, and this is maybe my ignorance. I don't know how you feel about this, but like, these are not American movies. And um, the things he's done. Is, he's not an American. I know, it's crazy. Spoiler alert, plot <laughs> twist. Mr. Miyazaki is not American. A uh, Japanese filmmaker. Yes. And um, the, the, his movies are just like... Uh, just very, very that. Like, you know, it's hard to... And again, when so we were watching his movies, a lot of them don't take place in Japan. And right. I remember as a child watching these movies, could not wrap my brain around this. You know, seeing these, like, English, um, you know, places. Italy comes up a lot in his movies. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like... But they're... I mean, the, the style of animation is very Japanese. And just feeling like I was in a magical place seeing these, like, kind of bringing together of cultures which is insane because obviously i've seen american movies where they're set in whatever but uh yeah there's there's something about uh you know when when i was a child watching these movies 
and being like, what is this? This is <laughs> insane. You know, like, these Disney was not making movies like this. No. And that's the, that's the interesting thing about his career. Uh, for those who don't know, and I'll, I'll get into some slight biographical information in a moment, but like he makes animated films. He, he starts with the storyboard process. There's this, a really great documentary called The Kingdom of Madness and Dreams. Yep. And if you can find it, it's all about his, uh, work on what was. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to this later. But what was his final film, The Wind Rises? Yeah. And, um, and he, it's he, insane like, because the, the filmmaker of that movie, she, she got, a, got, a, got a year, a year to, um, Studio Ghibli. Yeah. And it just turned out that year he, like, announced his, his retirement. And so it was a good, I think, uh, point in his career to, like, look back and kind of, uh, really show how he grew this insane empire, uh, that, you know, is beloved worldwide. Yeah. And there's, there, uh, but w- what I was going to get at is that he's, I feel like he's often unfairly compared to Walt Disney. Mm-hmm. I think the movies he makes, and this is not a knock at Disney. Disney's very good at making the movies they do. The movies he makes are much more complex yeah. than that. They they don't feel like they need to like hold anyone's hand. Like, right. And I, I think his movies, they fall into two things. They're either like epic dramas or they're like more kid movies, you know? Um, that's how I see it. I mean, maybe I'm not, like, using the right words for that, but some are just really huge, sweeping, like, out-of-this-world, crazy, magical. And then other ones still have some of that feel to it, but it's also, like, for children. Yeah. Um, and it's they're lighter and sweeter, and they don't feel like the stakes aren't nearly as high. No. Um, but... And then they usually end with a really cute song. <laughs> and I love them. And what's, and what's really nice about that, too, is he's able to sort of move back and forth between those, like childlike wonder and very adult sort of style of storytelling without ever being condescending. And I think that's oh, what's yeah. really interesting as an American looking at his film, uh, film, you know, the body of work is that nothing is really black and white in Miyazaki's world. And Correct. perhaps that's because he is, a you know, he grew up during the second world war. Mm-hmm. And so he's had those experiences and there's a lot more depth to his characters. There's a lot more depth, to the worlds that he creates. No one is purely evil yeah. or purely good. They're driven by, you know, needs and wants. You know, the closest he gets to that was that weirdly later in his career. And I'll I'll get to that when we start talking about the films. But for the most part, he creates these really three-dimensional, non-black and white. Like, yeah. no one is... There's nothing ever, like, pure good or pure evil in And sometimes, films. like, not much happens. He yeah. Takes, he takes a lot of time just, like lingering in moments and like you kind of just get this like nice like ah oh, like, which is something you never get in animation yeah, i mean Pe- it, it feels like, like when you when we look at good like quote good disney movies it's like wow what a tight movie like the yeah. plot keeps going and i'm never bored because things keep on happening whereas in his movies it's like i never was bored but like you're just like you're seeing wind blow or right. like water separate and you know uh, i was bored once but i'm gonna <laughs> we'll get to that once you know uh but yeah it, it's a friend even said she was like, they would never make these movies in America. No, like I don't no. think I don't think anyone would have like the. There was no one in Hollywood that was like, yes, let's throw lots of money at this like right. story about little kids doing nothing. Well, I mean, even a good comparison, like if you want to challenge yourself, look at little The Little Mermaid versus Ponyo. Mm-hmm. Ponyo is not one of my favorite of his films, but it is loosely based on the same legend, and the, their version of Little Mermaid's also loosely based. On, yeah. you know, the Hans Christian Andersen, t- I guess it's not a legend because it's actually a, a story, but the Hans Christian Andersen story, uh, 
and like see the directions that he takes versus the direction that yeah. Disney takes. Now, yeah. admittedly, like that's not Walt Disney; that's just the company. But yeah, correct. But still, like it's it's a really interesting. Like, there's no other of his films that have that sort of American counterpart that you yeah. can kind of uh, compare the two. Yeah, and I think he's very interested in like nature and beauty, and yeah. like, he's a huge pacifist and like. Um, in uh, Kingdom of Madness and Magic, is that right? Uh, Kingdom of Madness and Dreams. Madness and Dreams. He's he's literally showing the filmmaker all these photos of him cleaning rivers. Yeah. He's like, that's what I do on my Sundays. I and, just go and clean rivers. And he's very worried about, like, nuclear stuff. And, yeah. like, yeah, he's, he's like, you mentioned pacifist. He's very into environmentalism. Um, and he's very into Japan being honest about their own yeah. history and not erasing their... Um, portion of world war ii yeah he i mean it's crazy he says you know uh he says japan went crazy and yeah. joined this war um and i think he's very yeah you're right he he's not like he doesn't let let them off the hook for it you right. know i mean he went through some shit essentially yeah. and like he and he's got feelings and he's never really i mean even in this movie he's talking about how you know the uh, the the wind rises had a lot of controversy over, you know, there's a lots of smoking in this movie. Like, yeah. Smoking and, um, just like kind of defiance towards Japan in general. And, uh, Japan's like government, I guess, was kind of like cracking down on him a little bit and Studio Ghibli in general. And him and his producers are just like, man, like what, what age are we living in? Like, yeah. Cre creativity is not, you know, free anymore. Um, and he say, he, I mean, he kind of like gives task to the, the youth. Like the youth don't care. They're not doing anything. And, um, and it feels more genuine coming from him than it does for certain other figures in, uh, yeah, <laughs> in yes, pop culture. Correct. You're right. Um, and maybe that's the, the different cultures. Yeah. Maybe that's, yeah. When, it, when, it, when Americans complain about the use, it's kind of like, oh, uh, hey, old, shut up. yeah, old man. Yeah. RuPaul. RuPaul. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I love you. <laughs> yeah. But I love you. And you, you've had those experiences. <laughs> um, <laughs> but girl, but, uh, uh, I do want to stress too, real quick, uh, before we get fully into anything, uh, we are only covering the films directed yes. by Miyazaki. Uh, he, as part of Ghibli, has produced many a film, including films by his son, mm -hmm. uh, who's directed two movies, uh, as well as, um, films directed by his sometimes friend and <laughs> his <laughs> so, nemesis. Yeah, and sometimes rival, uh, uh, Iseo Takahata. That sounded I, pretty good. Yeah, that's okay. I can pronounce the last name. Um, and Iseo Takahata's had like quite a career as well, too. Yeah. Um, so, but we are specifically only speaking to the films that Miyazaki's directed. Correct. And so that's, it's 11 or 12? It's a, I think it's 12. There's one I couldn't find at all. Um, which is the Conan Future Boy, which is based off a, of TV series that he directed all 26 episodes of. I found the TV series. I watched an episode of that. But... <laughs> and I watched all of that and I loved it. <laughs> all 26 episodes. Um, but uh, just to give you some background information, uh, Hayao Miyazaki is a Japanese film director, producer, screenwriter, animator, author, and manga artist. Because Casual. he has all the time in the world. Uh -huh. uh, his career spanned over five decades. Uh, he's attained international acclaim as a masterful storyteller and a maker of anime feature films. Along with Isao Takahata, they co-founded Studio Ghibli together, uh, which is the film and animation studio, which has just garnered so much acclaim since the late to mid nineties. Yeah. Um, but Miyazaki was born um, in the town of uh, Akebono Cho in Bunko, Tokyo. I'm so sorry again. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> Japan, we are very sorry. <laughs> um, 
He's the second of four sons born uh, to Katsuji Miyazaki. His father was director of the Miyazaki of Miyazaki Airplanes, which made rudders for A6M0 fighter planes during World War II. During the war, when Miyazaki was only three years old, the family evacuated and uh, I can't pronounce these places. So they evacuated essentially uh, to where the airplane factory was located. Miyazaki has said that early life of that family, that the, his early life of his family was affluent and could live comfortably during the war because his father and uncle's profitable work in the war industry. But he has also noted that as a four and a half year old experiencing the nighttime firebombing raids uh, in 1945 left a lasting impression on him. During his May 22nd, 1988 lecture at the film festival in, Nio- in Nagoya, he retold the account of his family's hasty retreat from the burning town without providing a ride to other people in need of transportation. Wow. And he recalled how the fires had colored the night sky as he looked back towards the city after they had fled to a safer, safer distance. Clearly the war like really yeah. colored his childhood. Um, he graduated uh, Amoya. I'm skipping ahead quite a bit. Uh, Amoya Junior High. Um, he attended the Toyotama High School during his third year. Miyazaki's interest in animation was sparked by the tale of the White Serpent. He quote fell in love with the movie's heroine, and it left a strong impression on him. Um, and then he went on. He worked for Toy Animation in 1963. Um, his he worked as an in between artist on theatrical feature film Watchdog Bow Wow. Yeah. Um, Excuse me? Yeah. No, that's, that's a real thing. What'd you, uh, you call me? <laughs> um, uh, and then uh, his friend uh, Takahata got him really into the animation business. And in 1971, he left uh, Toy for, for APRO, where he co-directed 14 episodes of the first Loop in the Third series with Iseo Takahata. Um, they also began pre-production on Pippi Longstocking series, which he drew extensive storyboards for. Um, but then he went led to Sweden to conduct research for the film. Um, and the series was canceled. <laughs> um, but yeah, eventually they, they split and he started, uh, doing this television show, Featureboard Conan, and eventually ended up moving into films, including his first film, The Castle of, uh, I'm going to say this wrong Is because it... I heard it pronounced right. Lup- Lupeda? Lup- no, Lup- Lupin the Third, but that's. No, ca- no, no. Oh. Oh, oh Castle of Castle. Yeah. I say Cagliastro. It's not. <laughs> Cagliostro. Yeah, sure. Um, and from there, uh, you know, gained fame for that. Ended up doing Nasca Valley of the Wind, which is his second film. And then finally, uh, Lupita and Castle in the Castle in the Sky, which was the founding film of Studio Ghibli. Yeah, that was his first like huge epic. Absolutely. Now, um, Nausicaa, What's cool about that is like that was all that was one hundred percent him because he had. Uh, drawn the manga that it was based on as well. Cool. And it was something like crazy, something like 30 volumes. And he's like, cool, I gotta narrow that down for a two hour <laughs> film. But yeah, so th- that's your backstory on him. He's currently in his, uh, he was 73 at yes. the time of the documentary. Um, so and that was a couple years ago. And so he's lived, you know, he's lived a life. He's the oldest person we've covered so far. Yeah. I mean, so he's lived a long life. And he's directed 12 pretty solid movies. You know, like, none of them on, like... Any... 76, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Not yet 80. He's made 12 movies, and all of them, like, all of the critics' ratings... I didn't really see one that was, like, less than 80%, you know? But all of them are pretty yeah. solid. Also, these movies make a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. Like, they, like, make so much money. They have a good, They had a huge 15-year distribution deal with Disney... And, and for the most part, at the time that, you know, especially the 70s, 80s, 
when when he was like starting to work up, animation was not really seen as like a big thing in. I mean, it was a big th- there was a big business in Japan, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a critical thing in Japan. Yeah. And it has since become a much more critical thing. He even managed to win best film at the, Jap- the Japanese Academy Awards with Spirited Away. So he also wait, what did you say? He won best film at the Japanese Academy Awards with Spirited Away. He won. Best, Best animated anime. film yeah. in the American Academy yes, Awards. I was like, Japan has their own Academy Awards. Good for them. That's yeah. cute. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> That's cute. No, I mean, I would say, I, it's, I think it's way more impressive. Well, than I'm suddenly the Japanese <laughs> people's favorite now. <laughs> I was thinking it's like way more impressive. Uh, Spirited Away is the only like Japanese, ad- like it's, Literally the not the only non Disney non Pixar non DreamWorks movie to ever win Best Anime Feature. Absolutely, and it's all hand drawn. Yes, which is like insane. I I think there's uh, a li- digital coloring in it, but I mean that's not. Yeah, I mean compared yeah. to like the stuff that's like winning, I was. I mean, and I started looking at other things like all their other films get nominated all the time. I'm like, what the fuck won this year? And it was like some garbage. Like I don't know. Uh, uh, man, uh, cars or yeah, whatever. Like you know, and I'm like, why, why, why? <laughs> but whatever. Um, I mean, I mean, good for Spirit Away that it was able to like break through that year to like uh, it was because that that movie's incredible. Absolutely agree. I actually wrote a paper in college. It's getting dorky. <laughs> um, just now. Well, <laughs> it was an argument um that I'd had with another student that my teacher really wanted me to dig into, which was the idea that children would understand that there are non-Western ways of um, dealing with the good versus evil fight. And her example was Spirit Away versus something like Tarzan, which has an incredibly violent end to its its main antagonist. And I basically had my niece at the time, who's now 18, but was nine at the time, watch Spirit Away with me. And I like interviewed her, which is fun trying to interview a nine-year-old, but she was very articulate about understanding that like, the villains in that movie weren't that bad yeah. or that they, they, in the end, they were like nicer than correct. Like, cause they, they didn't need to die. Like, right. The, Absolutely. The evil, that's the what evil did not to be, didn't need to be defeated. <laughs> exactly. You know? And that's not to say that all of his films are like that. Um, mm-hmm. Castle in the Sky has an antagonist who just like, there's, there's no way he can live. Yeah. <laughs> and so Sir, you need to go. <laughs> but, uh, but like, it's nice that he seems to, give people more of a chance to, you know, yeah. to be more well-rounded and not just be like, I'm completely evil. You like, know what I, you know what just happened? Okay. So I, I remembered, um, it w- I was looking up, uh, Takahara's, um, his last thing that he came out with was, um, Pr- uh, Princess Kaguya. Yeah. Which is everyone saying is his masterpiece, right? Yeah. Um, Princess Kaguya is gorgeous. Um, I haven't watched this movie, but I checked to go see like, Oh, and it was nominated for an Oscar for Best Anime Feature. And what won that year was Big Hero 6. And I was like, Big Hero 6 is a fine movie, but like, it was definitely made by committee. Right. And like, slapped together to like, make you feel certain things at certain times. And I was just like, this movie, which riff, is riffing a lot on Japanese art oh, and storytelling. absolutely, yeah. And I'm like, and yet here we have like an actual original, beautiful, gorgeous. Yeah. You know. And what's really cool about Princess Kaguya is like, it's all done to look like old Japanese paintings. Like, it's very stylized. Yeah. So, like... It's just weird. I mean, for the amount of love that Miyazaki has in the United States, uh, 
I don't know why or how that doesn't translate to, you know, more success. Oh, absolutely. But, um, but I mean, I post on Facebook, like, do I have any friends who are into this guy? And like, literally out of the woodwork, like people from everywhere, like, we're just like, yes, absolutely. (laughs) And I was like, great. The, uh, the other thing I like to do on this show is I usually try and find interview clips of people to sort of have them, um, just so you hear from them as well. Miyazaki doesn't speak English. We're an English speaking podcast. So you can't, mm-hmm. I can't intersplice Gavin, do clips. it. Yeah. Do it Gavin. <laughs> um, Figure it out. Uh, but perhaps you'll hear clips from the American dubs of his films. Uh, but that's also a controversial point. Some people yeah. don't particularly like the American rewrites or the American dubs. One of the great things about Miyazaki is after, um, Nausicaa came out, there was, uh, I know I'm saying that name wrong, but, um, Nausicaa? But the after that came out, it was like super duper recut, um, and like like something like thirty minutes of it was dropped, and like they there were male characters that were put on the cover in place of her, and uh, and he has it written into his contract now that no one can make any cuts. And apparently, when Spirit, uh, no, when Princess Mononoke was being released in in the U.S., uh, the Weinstein's had it, and Harvey Weinstein was going to make cuts to it, and. Ghibli sent him a katana oh, that, yeah, engraved yeah. with no, no cuts. Amazing. Like, <laughs> what kind of level of petty? I fucking love it. He, like, Miyazaki was like, bitch, I wish you would. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to send you a motherfucking sword. That's what I love about, like, the great thing of that documentary is he seems like both the most chillest, sweetest old man, yeah. and, like, he will fucking cut a yeah, bitch. Yeah, but he's also the best <laughs> motherfucker. Like, yeah. And it's crazy, because he's... I, I Watching his movies, I'm like, oh, man, he must be, like, the most romantic, like character uh, in the world and but like sometimes he's like well what else is there to say that's yeah. whatever and like he's like no that's just stupid like why would i do that and i'm like i think he is a romantic but i think he's also he's just a great fucking storyteller yeah like and he sees something and he's you know uh you know when they're, he's telling his you know um artist you know how he wants something to look he's like don't like if they're hunching it makes them look you know grotesque and they, yeah they, and it's all these little specific things. Oh, I love And there's a moment towards the end where he's explaining how um, the main character in The Wind Rises should bow. Yeah. And about how, like, back then, when they bowed, they would stay sort of in that position and slowly rise back up. As opposed to nowadays where it's just like a quick... Yeah. Like, it's it's become just sort of a, a reflexive thing. Like, you bow and you're done. Yeah. Um, he was like, and that's disrespectful. And, like, yeah. back, back then people had, like, class. And yeah. you know, we need to reflect that in our movie. Um, and then, like, of course, all the illustrators are, like, making fun of him. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But, uh... And and he's all like, this is a lip sync. What yeah, part of that don't you understand? Yeah, literally that. <laughs> literally <laughs> that. Uh, yeah, he just seems really cool. And, uh, I hope... I mean, do, I, so The Wind Rises was the last thing he's made. Yes, so I'll get, I'll get to that towards the end of the episode, okay, but okay. there's been some... And there's been some news recently. So The Wind Rises was also his second retirement, I believe, because I, I believe he was supposed to retire... Um, shortly after Ponyo? That sounds uh, right. Yeah, and then he decided to make The Wind Rises, um, and then he announced his retirement again, um, but, well, we'll get to we'll that see. later. Yeah. But we'll so, see. We'll, we'll see, exactly. Uh, shall we get to the list of films that <laughs> sure. we saw? Would you... Okay, great. Um, so I rewatched Spirited Away. Um, I watched for the first time My Neighbor Totoro. I watched for the first time Princess Mononoke. Watch for the first time Howl's Moving Castle. Okay, honestly, I've only ever had watched Spirit Away. It's the, it's the truth. <laughs> um, so I watched Howl's Moving Castle. I saw Castle in the Sky. Um, I saw Kiki's. Oh, I, I rewatched Kiki's Delivery Service because I had seen that. 
I watched Ponyo. I watched Porco Rosso. I watched The Wind Rises. I think the only two that I did not watch were Nausicaa and Castle of so i i saw everything that you mentioned except for i didn't get around to the wind rises which bums me out um i'm still never seen kiki's delivery service spirit away prince manoke howl's moving castle and ponyo i've seen before so i didn't revisit them Mm. which means for the first time i saw my neighbor uh totoro castle in the sky nausicaa and the castle of kagliastro and and Porco Rosso. So I mean, literally the only ones, the only blank spots I have are the Wind Rises and Kiki's Delivery Service. But and I watch both of those. So yeah, I think we're solid. We're solid, well rounded. Yeah. I have access to those. I still plan on watching them. Maybe I'll give you a very short book report next okay. episode. Yes. But, um, <laughs> so Gavin, <laughs> any thoughts? So six hundred words. Yes. And um, <laughs> oh my god, at one time uh, one of my professors in college like totally called me out for phoning something in because throughout an essay I'd completely spelled Orson Welles' name wrong several times and she wrote like on she's like you clearly were not interested in writing this paper <laughs> I was like yes you, you were clocked yep I was, I was clocked uh, but yeah she gotcha so uh, so I guess we're gonna get to our goods and our bads uh, yeah the, l- show me the goods <laughs> so uh, do, do you want me to go first because, uh, yeah yeah yes because yeah, that means if I pick one no, no. so I think undeniably his classic is spirited away but for the purposes of this and because i just watched it i loved my neighbor totoro so much so so much that is a true cumber number one like that is the original the classic the yeah exactly and britney spears of his collection of movies and then like i (laughs) that's amazing you cannot go wrong (laughs) exactly and i for, had been meaning to watch it for years, and I know what a place it holds in a lot of people's heart. Yeah, and it's it's very cute. Like it's it's one of his more kid friendly sure. uh, films. Uh, but it's got this real uh, adult sort of heart. It's a it's this film about these two girls who move to the country with their father, and their mother is in a hospital because she has tuberculosis, and uh, it's not going great. Um, what I loved about the film as well is that it's, um, you know, he has sort of three, uh, uh, or at least two, like, ways that he does fantasy. He has sort of the the casual magical realism, mm-hmm. and then he has the full-out fantasies. And there's a lot of full-out fantasies in his canon, but I, uh, Totoro sort of falls into the casual magical realism, where there's, like, creatures that spirits. they can see, and spirits, and... But not everybody sees them, and it's a much more common, mundane world yeah. that happens to be accented. Like, when they first moved into this house, there's these dust spirits. Mm-hmm. And there's this really beautiful scene where the father's like, if something scares you, laugh to know it doesn't bother you. And they they start <laughs> laughing, and the spirits just leave their home. They're just yeah. like, I guess we gotta go yeah. now. Uh, fine. Um, and I love that, because it's not, it's not integral to the plot but mm-hmm. it's integral to the emotional art and it tells you like what something about this world that we're yeah. living in you know and the stories that they're telling because more spirits are, are coming in the form of Totoro and his his little friends are so his little cute. friends are the best I was like who are these little Totoros uh the, the cat bus the fucking cat bus amazing how amazing is cat bus like when will your fave animate a cat bus <laughs> who's like 
little insides open up for you to get inside of him. <laughs> and th- and, and it's not weird. I was going to say, that's the thing. Something like, uh, there's a ca- there's a bust that's an anthropomorphic cat that shows up uh-huh. later in the film, and it's, like, sides grow to fit the opening of, of things so yeah. Totoro can get in, who's a, a giant forest spirit. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, like, literally, if, if it was for real life, he'd be, like, ten foot tall. Yeah. And, um, and... Yeah, it's not creepy or gross or weird, and you just sort of go with it. My friend Colin uh, has a niece who, like, at two years old, like, she knitted her a cat bus for Christmas because she loved the cat bus so much. Is and... she taking orders? Yeah, or... <laughs> you know, I'll get you in contact. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the, um, but, uh, but yeah, it's it's this very sweet film. It's funny because when it came out, um, it was basically sort of mal- like people didn't have the faith that it would do well on its own so much so that they actually double featured it with grave of the fireflies which is a takahata film Mm -hmm. and i have to say like i've seen grave of the fireflies um it's one of the saddest uh anime movies yeah it is it is a war film and it's devastating and I just cannot imagine watching those two movies together. <laughs> One of these things. Well, like yeah, de- you would definitely need Totoro afterwards, uh-huh. or else you would stab yourself in the heart in the theater. Um, you would Elliot Casual. Smith your way out uh-huh. of the, the theater. And um, I just, I can't imagine watching those two together, but that's what sold it. And people fell in love with that as a double feature and everything too. And it's so funny because Grave of the Fireflies is much more adult in terms of themes and realism and everything. And Totoro's this whimsical film about these two little girls. And what made it even better, too, is he mentioned uh, that it's very semi-autobiographical in terms of him and his younger brother. And he said he wouldn't have been able to make the film if the two main characters were boys because they went through the same thing with their mother um, after she got sick and began to pass away. And it's a hard thing, I think, when you're a kid to, like, Morta- like putting together mortality but that's the other thing that he- Miyazaki does is he's you know he's doesn't sugarcoat these themes of like sometimes people die yeah. and when they die they don't come back and like that happens and admittedly this doesn't happen in the movie spoiler mm-hmm. alert but there's a real sense for a moment there that like things could go really really bad yeah. there's I mean this movie doesn't have like a lot of high stakes but it definitely gets your heart racing a little right. bit when, you know, uh, the younger, I mean, these are, girls are young. Right. One of them is like four or something. Yeah. Um, the older daughter maybe, maybe is 10. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't, I don't even know. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, the older daughter is, you know, trying to be very strong, whatever. There's a really like heartbreaking scene when she finally breaks down is this like, I cannot take care of my little sister and I really want my mom back. May, the doctor said that mom's not doing well. So she doesn't get to come home this weekend. <gasps> no fear! It can't be helped, May. What if she came home early and it made her even worse? It's not fair! May, we just have to wait a little longer. No! You want her to die, May? Is that what you want? No! You're such a baby! Just grow up! Yeah. And it's insane. And, and the little girl runs away. And there's a kind of like a little bit of mystery thing, like what happened to this little girl. Um, and it's so it, it, it does get close to being, uh, you know, uh, very sad. Right. Um, but it's such a nice like her. The parents in that movie are so great. 
Like, the dad seems like such a nice guy. He really does. I was just like, man. I had to, uh, for the most part, I tried to find as many um, in their original language with subtitles as I could. I couldn't find my neighbor Totoro in its original language, but I was kind of happy I didn't. The father was played by Tim Daly, and he does such a good job. And the girl, and that's the voice of Superman. If you, if you're, if you're a kid my age, which is like in his early thirties now, but like I grew up on Superman the animated series, and Tim Daly was Superman. Hello. So like, yeah. it, it literally is that. And then the girls are um L and um Dakota, Dakota Fanny. Yeah, and they're great. So good. It's funny too that movie had a very um weird history. Going where, like, when it was first brought to America, it was actually brought to America through trauma. Trauma films, if you don't know what trauma films are, they're like the, the, the best at low class, low budget cinema. Toxic Avenger, Tromeo and Juliet, like, okay, okay. Poultry Geist. Um, but they released it through another, they have another like 85th Street films or something like that. That's a slightly more respectable way to get get that out. And that's originally how it came out. And then when Disney got involved, they, they redubbed it. So there are two dubs out there and I actually prefer the Disney dub um, because of Elle Fanning and Dakota Fanning's performances, which it's, it's not easy. Like it's not easy to, to rewrite, to match the words, you know, Japanese is a very different language, obviously Uh Um, to rewrite the mouse to the words and make it make sense and make it all, you know, function as a cohesive whole. The other thing I like about it is, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have a lot of, I think there's three big themes that Miyazaki likes to work on. I think they're environmentalism, um, anti-war, and compassion. Yeah. And I know that sounds weird because, like, all movies have some sort of... But, like, he's really good at creating um, very compassionate characters. And the, the scene I would go to in Totoro is when they're standing in the rain. Yeah. And the older sister hasn't met Totoro yet. And he's a giant monster who growls. <laughs> and they're standing in the rain and he's getting wet. He has a leaf over his head. And the first thing she does, instead of being like scared or run away, is she's like, oh, here's this other umbrella. Yeah. And it's beautiful. It's so smart and so well done. And, and it's a nice... But the but the movie doesn't have really those environment. Well, I guess it does because they are forest spirits yeah. and everything. But it, like the anti-war, the environmentalist thing takes sort of a backseat in that sure. one. It's it's Totoro is very important just because a it's their most popular, famous movie. Yeah. Um. They even talk about it in Kingdom of Madness and Dreams about how the merchandise the merchandise and also how merchandise has changed over time because now they're no longer aiming that merchandise at kids yeah it's actually for adults it's in collectibles but and that stuff is still selling is still their best-selling stuff and like when you think of ghibli you think of that iconic scene of them standing in the rain and like him shaking for you know water to come down on them and and it's something so simple like that to create these iconic um simple characters that like i mean Toto's just like a kind of fat monster character yeah. and everyone loves him and it's so cute. And also, like I said, the song at the very end is so <laughs> cute. And, and what's funny about the, uh, the, the song, speaking of the, the two different dubs, they didn't change any of the, they, they <laughs> had somebody else sing it, but for the redub, the Disney redub, they didn't change any of the translation, Great. which I think is really cool because they don't have to match the mouth up to anything. Yeah, so yeah. they're just like, okay, accurate translation. Yeah. Let's just get it out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that song is really adorable. Yeah. Totoro is definitely a high point for yeah, sure. But I would like to hear your high. Um, my pick is something you haven't watched. It's Kiki's Delivery Service. Um, Kiki, I was the first movie I saw of his, and I remember just being a little, a little youth, <laughs> like staying up past my bedtime 
for whatever reason, and I clicked on Disney Channel, and this movie was playing, and I was just completely struck, like, what is this? Like, she's a little witch. And <laughs> she certainly is. Uh-huh. <laughs> but she doesn't look like other witches. You know, you can tell she's got a broom and she's got a black dress, but she's that little red bow, you know, and I was just completely taken by this movie. And I so I rewatched it just to kind of, like, get fresh eyes on it, and I loved it even more. I didn't... I didn't even realize what this movie was about when I was a kid. I just it was like, what a pleasant, you know, it's a gentle movie. It's a, a, what another of his like kid movies, you know, there's not high stakes or drama here. Um, essentially this movie is about, uh, Kiki who, um, she's turning 13 and she is a witch. Her, her mom's a witch and, uh, she has to leave for a year to live on her own to become a full fledged witch and, and have her training. Um, and so she, it's the day of her birthday is actual, uh, full moon. And so she wants to take off and, Mom gives her a room and she just flies away and kind of, she has a cat named Gigi. He's a boy. Um, and he, and it's his, he's kind of like, you know, her spirit animal character, like guidance and stuff. And she ends up at this, uh, uh, you know, this kind of hustle bustle city and, um, starts working at a bakery and, uh, the woman who works, runs the bakery, she's pregnant and she needs some help delivering stuff. And this movie turns into like these little vignettes. Um, it's based on a manga, I'm sure, actually. Um, or, or it's a novel. I think it's a novel. Um, it's based on something else. Um, that's super accurate. <laughs> uh, but like, and that's people come here for just the facts. Yes. Just so. the facts <laughs> based on something else. Um, and so she starts, de- you know, delivering and, and she's meeting people, uh, you know, and each one is like an adventure. One, she has to deliver like a stuffed cat that looks exactly like Gigi. And the cat, you know, her, she drops her package. So no, Gigi takes like, it's just like antics that are going on. There's a boy that, um, in the dub is voiced by one of the Lawrence brothers. Yes. Matthew Lawrence. Yeah. Yes. So I, I, like I said, I haven't watched it. I did make, watch some clips and I do want to say, I want to stick up for the dub for that because not only is Kiki our girl, Kirsten Dunst. Hello. Yeah. Call back to our first episode, but also. Uh, Gigi is voiced by the late great Phil Hartman. Yeah, that was and his last thing he did. Exactly. And some of the clips I watched, I gotta admit, like, his timing, and I know, like, animation has to be credited for the timing as well, but just the way, like, there's a scene where she mentions she's been, like, photographed, and, like, it's totally inappropriate for a kid's movie, he's, like, nude. And yeah, it's just, yeah. Like, and I, I and love she's like, Gigi! <laughs> yeah. um. How are you? Hungry? No, I'm tired. Yeah, me too. I'm very tired. We're both gonna sleep well tonight. By the way, that painter who found the stuffed cat told me she wants to do a drawing with me in it. Naked? Gigi! Yeah, this movie's so great. What I think this movie's really about is about this, a girl who's growing up and having to figure things out for herself. I mean, if you can imagine being 13, um, and going off and just like figuring, like figuring out where to live, getting a job, and uh, like figure out who you are. There's the boy. I forgot his name. Um, Tonto, Tonda, something, whatever. He like likes her, and she's like freaking out about that. There's popular girls that are kind of like cooler than her, even though she's a fucking witch. Um, <laughs> and like a whole thing is like, oh, there's only one witch per each town. So she like she, she literally is like, is there a witch here? No, cool. <laughs> Dibs. It's, so it's just like real life. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Manhattan only has three wishes. True. Um, which is crazy because there's five boroughs. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, and it's, it's about, she meets women along the way, these 
older women who help her and the the really like drama of this story is like her self-doubt and she doesn't think she's good enough and so she loses her flight for a while she ends up she can't talk to Gigi anymore and it's all you know uh and but she learns through um the woman who's running the bakery a grandmother who like she spends time with she she bakes her cakes and then Kiki delivers them and also this random artist character whose um voice in the English dub is Janine Garofalo and it's just like she's helping her like she says magic is like art, you know, it comes from inside you and you make it. And there's like this great scenes of like this woman like drawing um, a portrait of, of Kiki and says the magic will come back, you know, just don't worry about it. Um, and and she's able to kind of like really yeah find herself and who she is. And it's like a sweet little story. And literally I could watch this and I, forever. Like I could watch more adventures, more delivery service things of her doing stuff. I mean, the movie kind of ends just like... She kind of regains her magic. She saves this boy from, like, a huge dirigible that's going to, like, crash into um, the ground. And then there's like, they do that montage at the end. They do it at the end of Totoro also. There's yeah. a montage of, like, things that are... What is happening with, you know, um, the girls and her dad and the mom come home. And Kiki, you kind of see her doing more delivery stuff. And so, like, you, this is a snapshot of this life of this little witch. Um, and I guess it's in, like, Britain somewhere. Um, yeah. So again, like when and, I'll... and like the that movie is famous for in terms of its animation, a lot of its vertical pans, mm-hmm. um, which uh, like have height in animation is not as easy to do, like a pan down as it is like a pan across. Uh, I I suppose that's a tilt down. Fine, someone's <laughs> gonna call me on that. I know uh, a tilt down. You know that requires a lot of hand drawn animation, a lot of cells in between. Um, and it just, you know, it's it's moving from up to down or down to up versus from side to side, which is sort of an easier, more fluid motion. Yeah. I mean, and, like, so it's not an easy thing to accomplish. And I think they do that a lot because she's taking off on her broom, going yeah. straight up into the air and then falling down. And there's a lot of um, flight things happening, which is a huge theme. Oh, my God. Flight. That was the other theme that I didn't mention in yeah. in, uh, in Miyazaki's films. He's, he's all about flight. He's obsessed. Yeah. Like, being a kid with his dad making these yeah. uh, airplanes, really, like, he... In this movie, not only do we have Kiki flying on her broom, her friend, um, he, like, has, like, a bicycle with, like, a big turbine on it, and he, like, is obsessed with making model planes. There's a huge dirigible that's, like, flying around, um, and it is, is ever-present with this flying, and he, the, the magic of flying, that is, like, the ultimate thing. Like, this movie, a friend told me, she was like, I don't really like Kiki, she's, she's, a, she's a witch, why isn't there more magic going on? And I was like... You can shut the hell up, okay? <laughs> like, you're American garbage. Uh. Well, that, well, that's what I was going to say. Like, the nice thing about hearing you talk about it, too, is it makes me realize sort of that that separation between Western ideals and Eastern ideals, as well as that the the her hero's journey would have to be more about, like, in, a, in an American film, about questing to get her magic back. Yeah, yeah. And having a character that just she tells her, go, like... She has to go find a yeah, thing, and then... The, the exactly. And, th- and to have a character tell her that she needs to look inward instead of outward is yeah. a very more eastern ideal than it is a western ideal literally all women in this movie except for the her one friend who yeah. like has a crush on her um the dad is around also but like it's she is finding herself through these role models of the woman who's taking a chance on her and hiring her this grandmother who needs help like cooking these cakes and this artist who kind of just sees like someone that she can really help out you know and that yeah it, and it equates what she's doing uh, with her magic to what she's doing as an artist. And I think, I thought that was great. I was, I, I was like, I don't want Kiki, like, you know, 
Alohomoraing, like Harry Pottering the shit out of everything. Like I, it was, it was great. Has, has your friend ever seen Sarah Michelle Gellar's Simply Irresistible? We know how quick that can go badly. <laughs> the iconic classic, <laughs> Simply Irresistible. Uh-huh. Yes. Um. So I, yeah, I I love this movie. It's so sweet, and it's a it's a great movie for you know young girls. I think to kind of uh, I mean, it's one of his simpler. I think. Uh, moves, but like there's no, there's nothing to hide behind in this yeah. movie. There's no like flash, but I mean he has a lot of flash and he does it really well. Um, but yeah, I would highly suggest Kiki's. The um, it's it's interesting that we both went for smaller the smaller movies. I want to give just a, a quick shout out to some of the other ones that are really great. I mentioned Spirited Away before. Spirited Away is like his classic children's Spirited movie. Spirited Away, like, I I could listen to that soundtrack yeah until I die. Because that movie, also No Face, is like one of my favorite characters ever created. It's, uh, it, and again, the characters there, like the the evil like Yubaba. Yeah, and she, th- nothing happens to her. No, she gets her come up by being like, "I solved the rib- riddle." Yeah, and you're gonna continue working at your like spirit house, whatever. Yeah, and there's like a real sense of she's like, "Well, maybe I have been a jerk." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like... literally, she's like, "Oh." Okay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even No Face, who's kind of like horrifying in the middle there. Right. Like, um, the sister, I forgot her name, she's like, you just stay with me and I'll take care of you. Yeah. And no Face is like, chill. Yeah, absolutely. But like, and that, and the one thing that sticks out for that movie for me is just like, the music never stops. No. Never. It's always in the background, like, and it's building and like coming back and it's, it's insane. I love it. And that movie also has some of the best, like, cute characters and whatnot. Yeah. The dust, the dust spirits return for that movie. Yes. And, um, yeah, there's there's the a lot of great. Yeah, the, the little, little rat's rat. my favorite. Oh my god. Um, but uh, but uh, you know, there's that uh, Princess Mononoke, which I think is his most adult, yeah. most pro environment film. I had no idea what I was getting myself into in that movie, and I was like, oh, she's sucking the blood out of that. Yeah. Thing. Yep. I was like, oh, he shot an arrow and his head came all the way off. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that one's definitely the least kid friendly. Yeah. Um, I was shocked. And uh, I don't know if you want to add any other. I really feel bad about the wind rises. Especially, wind- I I was going. I was. I had this whole thing planned about because I remember when it came out. There was this whole like in Japan. It was seen as this very like controversial. Like he's against the fact that Japan sort of erasing part of their history and being yeah. more militaristic. And he's saying we shouldn't go back towards that. And then in America, it was seen as glorifying. Yeah. The, the glorifying the, this guy who created warplanes. Planes. I thought the movie was beautiful. Yeah. And I think that's, I think the whole point was we cannot erase what's going on here. Like, yeah. And this, and also I just thought the man, like if your dream is to make beautiful planes, like he based this off of an actual man. Yeah. And like, and this is his first like biographical, you know, animated story. Um, but also his own experience and his father's experience has really influenced this movie. First of all, it's gorgeous. Like the man is sitting at his desk drawing out his planes and when he's inspired, like just wind just like rushes through him and like the animation is just gorgeous. Um, I wish I'd gotten it. And then, <laughs> and then the, the whole idea of like, you know, uh, it's just like the, the monetizing of dreams. Like, you know, my dream is to make all these beautiful planes. And at the end of it, it's like he finally makes these gorgeous, like zero fighters. Um, and the end of the movie is like, he says, none of them came back because those are the Japanese planes that went to war and yeah. the Japanese lost. Yeah. And so like he, and he knew like having to reconcile, like, I want to make beautiful things, but the government is co-opting this to make destruction and death and it's awful and it sucks. 
And it, it, it that movie, I mean, that, that was the last movie I saw of his. And, um, I thought it was really beautiful and gorgeous. And you could tell how, like, invested he, he, you could just feel Miyazaki's, like, hands all over it. Uh, and, I, and I know you didn't get a chance to see Nausicaa. Um, Nausicaa was a real labor of love for him because, like I said, he, he wrote the manga as well and had to condense, like, like 30 books into two hours. I think that movie's really beautiful and really focused and, uh, and it is a really cool, neat story. Um, it's both, more adult than some of those others, but also more childish. I could see show, showing a kid it, they might not be interested the whole time because it's a little long. It's two full hours, which is a, a lot for a kid to sit through. But, uh, I would highly recommend that. And it's a, that's like his second film. Yeah. That's pretty high praise. Yeah, it's insane. Um, he's lots of great stuff, but, but I guess we also have to discuss yeah. the bad stuff. Yes, um, correct. And so I'm going to let you go first okay. on this. The only, at first I was thinking, you know, I did have some issues with Princess Mononoke. I was talking to a friend about it because I, ha- I had to be really critical. Like, because all, yeah. all those movies are pretty fucking good. I was I was going to say that like it's this was a harder thing to do because with everyone we've done so far, there just have been bad yeah. movies. There, like, there have been movies where they needed to make a check. Yeah, I, Miyazaki has such control. I mean, for seventy years of life. And, and what, maybe like 50 working or maybe 60 working? Yeah. Five decades. Yeah. That's crazy. To make 12 films. Yeah. You know, that's not like a huge, like, amount of things that he's doing, but he has such control and he's like, no, I'm not going to make a shitty movie. Um, so I thought in Princess Mononoke, I was like, no one really changes or maybe learns anything at the end. Um, but I love that movie. Um, so <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> but thank, thank God for the, for this podcast that, um, I saw Porco Rosso. <laughs> I just saw it today. I was like, what is this movie though? Yeah. Uh, and at, at the beginning, like going into it, like I read the synopsis and it's like, oh, this guy's a pig and he's a warplane fighter. So we have lots of flying in here again. Um, this movie takes place completely in Italy. Yes. Um, and I was like, well, this is interesting. Uh, I, I don't know the, the, the dub version I found. I don't know if it was like a bad version or like, is the dub just bad? Because I could not, I was like, beyond like the technical stuff of like, yeah. their voices were happening and nothing was happening with their mouth. I thought the, the dialogue oh, was also really? punky. You, you might have, you might have gotten a I might have gotten a bad dub. one. Uh, was it Michael Keaton? Cause Michael Keaton's the, the dub in the, in the Disney. I am not sure. Okay. I, but I was, so beyond that, I was, he's pretty great actually as Porco. I gotta I, say, I thought, the, I was like, okay, I'm going to get ready for jokes. Like, oh, there's a funny thing about when pigs fly about yeah. going on. I didn't realize how hard they were going to keep hitting it. Yeah. Like, they hit it over and over again with not that specific joke, but, like, variations on that yeah. joke. You're in Italy? You idiot! The Italians have a warrant out for your arrest, remember? I don't care how great your mechanic is over there. You get back home, you hear me? I don't want to yell at you, Marco. But if you keep acting so pig-headed, you're going to end up dead. I can't bear to go to another pilot's funeral. And this, so essentially, the Rosso story is about um, a man, but he's a pig. And he... I, I will say, too, like, I, I just want to... Because I agree with you. It's not. It's definitely not one of my favorites. I I enjoyed, like, the love they put it. But, like, this is what I mean by the, the casual magical realism. It's literally not until half an hour into the... The movie's only an hour and a half. And yeah. it's not until half an hour into the film when somebody finally mentions so... that he's cursed. Yeah. <laughs> like... yeah they're, they're like, so... 
how did you pick up a pig though yeah exactly like like and literally his girlfriend's just like oh we need to figure out that curse and it's like wait what, what? yeah because everybody's just treated him as a normal person except yeah. for the fact that he's a pig yeah the entire movie like they treat him like oh he's so mysterious and he's a great jet fighter and blah 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 this and that I guess this movie is also taking place around World War One ish yeah. time. Yeah, it's it's uh it's just pre World War Two because there's lots of correct. talk about fascism yeah. creeping into In Italy. Italy. Yeah, correct. There's a there is one really good a scene that I really liked, which is he's in a movie theater and a fascist Italian is like trying to recruit him and he's basically just like, I'd rather be a pig than yeah. be a fascist. Like, and that literally, that, and so that's the joke. That yeah. joke happens all the time where he's like, Oh, pig that. A pig, pig, pig. <laughs> um, I thought it was also a little bit strange and maybe I just had a bad dub, but they were like, Oh, the American. And I was like, everyone so far has had American accents and so I couldn't tell if they were talking about Porco being the American. No. But they were not. They were talking no. about, like, eventually it became clear who this American character was. And I like that there's a quick, like, knock at Ronald Reagan towards yeah. the, at the end of the movie. Like, They're like, oh. he's, he's a Hollywood actor. He hasn't become president yet. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, yes! <laughs> I, I, I don't know. That movie, uh, he essentially, what, he... It's super low stakes, that movie, which is crazy because the villains are fascists. Literally. And it's like, <laughs> he... He's like an anti-hero kind of. He's right. Like, I don't want to go fly my plane. There's also weirdly a lot of like misogynism. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is which is a very strange. Did like, I say it, misogynism? Yeah, you did. Wow. Yeah. Um. Do you want to take that again so I can read it, or do you want? There's keep a lot it? of like misogyny. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Woo! No one will ever hear that other thing, even though I was talking over to you. So I'll have to keep it in. Great. Um. Great. But uh, the uh. It's weird because I thought they were framing. He's. A girl, she can't help me like make my plate, and she and the woman just is kind of like, oh, "You're so silly!" Like, of course I can. Who's gonna design my plane? Theo will do it. Theo, that cute little girl. Don't be such a pig. She's a talented engineer, even better than my sons. And so, like, she, her reaction to all these, like, yeah, she's a girl, is just kind of like, whatever, it doesn't matter to me. Like, I wanted her to be like, listen, bitch. Like, yeah. Well, that's a, that's the crazy thing. Like, he's normally very much a feminist. And, like, that movie, it comes out of nowhere. Like, even in the end, in the end, there's this bet about, which also feels, yeah. like, weird and, and like, unimportant. Yeah. And it's a bet between him and the American, which is like, they're going to have a dogfight in their planes. Um, if the American wins, he gets to marry this young female mechanic. And if Porco wins, he gets money. Yeah. And first of all, that's weird because that weird. Re instantly reduces her to property. And it, it, <laughs> and but like, also, it's weird because she's like, okay. Yes. And then at the end, when, like when, when she, obviously Porco's going to win, um, the American's just like, well, next time I'll just ask you to marry me instead. And she's like, oh, I, but I already know what my answer will be. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, no, she should be like, gross, get away from me, you weirdo. Yeah, it's like, so weird that they like wrote her in such a weird way. I was like, this is how we're doing this? Right. Like, at the end, she, he wins and like, of course, he like saves her and doesn't have to like marry her after and whatever. And I was like, well, what? And this curse? And like, they also kind of casually be like, at the very end, the American casually is like, oh, your face, let me look at it. Yeah. And they and don't tell you. I do kind of like that though. I kind of like, they yeah. allude to it, but I was like, why? Because she kissed him. Well, so, er, well, earlier in the movie, she mentions, like, the frog prince, and she's like, it's like the frog prince, where, like, she kisses the frog, and he's like, that's a little kid's tail. And so she kisses him at the end as, like, she's pulling away. And it's true. fixes the curse. Uh, it's stupid. Regardless, it's not, I'm not defending it, Louis. I, I thought this movie was just, like, I, I wanted it to be funnier, 
like he's kind of like a Wolverine light. Yeah. Like I don't know. I'm pretty cool. Yeah. And women or whatever. Well, it is also weird that it's like, oh, he's a womanizer, and it's like, did all that happen prior to the curse? Or yeah. <laughs> like, and, and the curse came on because he thinks is because he like got away in a huge fight yeah. in the war. And, uh, he feels, like, super guilty that his, like, entire squad I, died. I, I did think that scene where, like, the, the vision of heaven where it's just a line of planes of people that died in the war. Um, and not necessarily heaven because also there's, there's, you know, the, the opposition there as well. I, I thought that was really pretty, but that, like, one, one really pretty scene does not a full movie make, I it suppose. Is, it was crazy. I mean, all these other things were the casual, like, yeah, ma- magic stuff happening. It makes sense, and you can accept it. And this, I was like, "Yeah, he's cursed." But like, there is nothing else in this movie that's magical, literally. And and it would, I would feel like that this should happen more often to Miyazaki because it's explained in the um in in the documentary that he oh yeah he cre- says like he like dr- like he creates the movie as he goes along like by making storyboards. So even he doesn't know the ending yeah. like as it's as it's happening and like you would think that that would happen more often with these films, but it's mostly just yeah. this one. Yeah, and it's he says even in the documentary he's like Pocahontas was a foolish film. Yeah, which is crazy because there's been very few times in which he's thought of doing sequels and Pocahontas was one of the ones he thought of doing a sequel to, which yeah. I don't understand. I was like, um, no. there is a sequel to uh, My Neighbor Totoro, by the way, but it only plays in the Ghibli Museum in, in Tokyo. Wow. It's a, yeah, it's a 14-minute short, and I wish I could find it, but I can't. Gavin, let's go. I know. Kitten bus. <laughs> There's a kitten bus in it. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, so, sorry. Um, We're going to have a very special episode live from Japan. <laughs> uh, just be a lot of us very confused saying, Arigato, Arigato. <laughs> We're a space. We need you now more than ever. <laughs> Send us to Japan. Um so yeah, so I guess I guess yeah, it's so my you turn. go you go ahead. What's um, your least favorite uh, Miyazaki film? I'm gonna I'm gonna try and do this real quick just so uh, because uh, I, I once again I don't feel comfortable shitting on him because he's he's so good. Uh, but Castle of Cagliostro mm-hmm. um, is the only time I've ever been bored by by a Miyazaki film. Um, it is a, a film version of uh, Lupin the Third, who's a Gentleman Thief character, who's a character I actually like. I've seen some of the Lupin the Third uh, cartoon episodes, and uh, um, I enjoy it. This movie doesn't really work. It takes Lupin... It's like taking this... It's like taking James Bond uh-huh. and dropping him into an 80s fantasy film. It doesn't really Sign work. Sign me up. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's like a gentleman thief and he finds this girl in a car chase and it turns out she's being held uh, captive by this uh, villain who needs her, like, ring because their families were related and, like, this castle is supposed to hold this treasure and it just, none of it coalesces for me. How can there be a happy ending to this romantic tale? The fair damsel believes in the power of the wicked sorcerer, yet she has no faith in the powers of the thief. Oh, if only she'd believe in him. Then he'd be able to fly through the air. They introduce a lot of the characters from the the show, characters he's met before, but because, like, I don't have a background in the show that felt very foreign to me. Not foreign in the way that, like, it's Japanese and I'm American, but foreign in the way that just, like, I, I know just, what the fuck's going on. Exactly. And, and like... It's his first film. I just don't think the the animation was up to par. The villain, like half the time, doesn't look like he has a human face. And <laughs> Great. Like, yeah, and um, and yeah, I just I just think that movie's a mess. And I was glad that the next movie, Nausicaa, was able to really sort of congeal that. And it's funny too because you can see the evolution of his style too. And yeah. it's really not until Castle in the Sky 
um, which was yeah. his third in, in the founding of Ghibli, like that he, it starts to really look like a Miyazaki film. Yeah. And Castle Cagliostro looks like a loop in the third, mm-hmm. um, movie. And Nausicaa looks much more like, uh, it's, it seems weird saying traditional anime because I feel like, like when someone tells you they don't like anime, that's like saying I don't like music. There's yeah. too many different yeah. types. What do you mean? Though? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, uh, but, that movie feels Nausicaa feels much more traditional looking yeah. and then really he sort of comes into his own style. Castle but, Sky is pretty fucking good also. Oh yeah, Castle in the Sky was great. I but, was like, yes to this pirate grandma. Yeah. Who has great hair and is crazy. It, it's funny, I watched Castle in the Sky with an American dub, but with the Japanese subtitles on well, the Japanese English subtitles on. Oh, okay. And it's crazy to see how how different yeah. because they dubs have to match the mouths. And the, they changed the yeah. I mean, and I read that they kind of changed some of in that movie specifically, like the relationships between yes. people. Yeah, yeah. They, they aged up the the characters. Yeah, to make the the make the love story sort of work a little bit better. Yeah, and, yeah. I, I mean, I I will say I have a friend who messaged me on Facebook and he was like, "I hate the Disney dubs. I cannot watch them. Yeah, they're awful." And so, I, know, I don't I don't blame anybody for yeah. not. But if you want to yeah. like the pure Miyazaki right. experience, like. Sure, great. I, I've seen both Spirited Away. Spirit Away is probably the one I've seen the most. I've seen it both in its original and with the dub because I w- was showing my niece and like, a nine-year-old's not going to sit there and read the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah I'm not going to, I'm not going to even yeah. make fun of your niece. Yeah. I'm sure she's lovely. Hey, Taya, want to sit down and read this novel with me? <laughs> like, no, bye. Yeah, bye. <laughs> is Hannah Montana on? That's Thanks. back when it was. Um, but yeah, so, uh, Castle Cagliastro, like, I'm not saying don't give it a chance if, if it's up your alley. Like I said, I'm a huge James Bond fan, so I love that sort of like spy craft sort of, it's just, didn't work for me. Yeah. Um, and the familiar, like, also, Pocoroso has, like, an 88% rate yeah. on fr- um, fresh Rotten Tomatoes, whatever. Yeah, these are very soft negatives. Yeah, and I was, <laughs> But honestly, I couldn't believe, because I really don't like Pocoroso. <laughs> like, I don't think... I mean, maybe... I think... I think Maybe it was my poor dub, which is bad on me, whatever. But I was like, I could not... Like, other movies I'll watch again. Uh, I, I think uh, I is really beautiful looking, and I, I think there's some really cute stuff in it, but I, yeah, I don't feel the need to ever yeah. see it again. I will also say, um, quickly, you mentioned, uh, Ponyo that you, yeah, I don't really like Ponyo, but I don't really like it either, but I think it is maybe the most beautiful yes. of the movies he's made. I was like, this visual is insane. And, and I will say like, even in the films, like even in the very few that I don't like, he's so charming and he finds a way to make them so charming and yeah. so likable. Ponyo such a weird, like the yeah. design of, Ponyo herself um, is insane. insane and and like uncomfortable at points and yet I don't know there's something very charming about that also like he's so smart he like you know for Ponyo he took the this uh, story by Hans Christian Andersen and he mixed it in with Wagner's uh, Die Valkyrie which is an opera and like it's weird to like and it works yeah exactly and like I said, you know, Lupin's based on something and, and doesn't always work when he takes it, but, um, uh, Howl's Moving Castle's an adaptation. Mm-hmm, yeah. And like, I think he's really smart in the way that he, he like picks his adaptations and yeah. works them into his own style. Howl's Moving Castle, I like, I haven't seen it in years. I will say in terms of morality, because it's, it's very anti-war and I'm very, totally with him. Yeah. 
but it is the simplest in terms of morality. Like, it's basically just, like, war is awful. And Howell himself gets to, like, a point of nihilism in his anti-warness. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, that's, a, that's a good move. That's one of the, I thought, that was really nice to look at. Yeah. And there's lots of interesting characters. Uh, but as far as the story was going, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 beautiful. And, and it, I think it's maybe one of, uh, again, like, seeing an English setting with the Japanese lens, I was, it was, it's kind of like, um, if you're not used to watching, you know, uh, anime or, um, you know, movies like that, it, it, it definitely is like a shock to the system. Like, oh, okay, cool. Um, but yeah, I, I, for the most part, his movies were great. Like I said, though, these are not bingeable movies. Like, no. I, I, it's weird because I remember in college, they were like, we're having, uh, you know, Miyazaki night. We're going to watch three movies. I didn't, I, I didn't. <laughs> and I was like, but how, how I, I, after I saw Mononoke, I was like, I need to like sleep i need to like get away from this yeah um the movies are layered and like they're gonna make you feel things and it's not uh just like i could i could burn through watching like lion king and you know moana and whatever like in a day whatever um not miyazaki (laughs) she is not that bitch yeah no not at all so just to recap real quick our our highs were for me, uh, my neighbor Totoro. Mine is Kiki's Delivery Service. And our lows were uh, Porco Rosa for me. And for me, it was Castle of Cagliostro. Um, now, t- at the end of the episode, what we'd like to do is tell you where you can see their stuff. We mentioned earlier, uh, Miyazaki is retired. <gasps> or is he? So he's in his 70s, uh, but he's decided to come out of retirement to work on his new movie. And the fun thing is, is if you're an animator you might have a chance to work on it. Uh, yeah. There's a job listing at Studio Ghibli for the feature. Uh, they're going back into full feature productions, which was something people worried about when he retired that it wasn't, uh, that they were going to stop doing. Really? Um, yeah. They think they were just going to start doing like, uh, show stuff? Just shows and shorts and, and, and more just producing other things. Uh, uh, the film listing says to do this film, please lend us the power of youth. The production period is three years. We're looking for those to come together to create work. Um, it's for background animation and background art, which is really awesome. If you're interested, uh, su- successful candidates will begin work on October 1st, 2017, which is when the movie will go into full-time production. As I mentioned before, contracts for three years and the salary is for, uh, 200,000 yen, which is only, um, $1,794 in US. What? Yeah. Per month. Okay. With, with twice annual bonuses. Travel to and from work will be reimbursed, though there's a limit how much travel allowance is allotted. So if you're coming from America, you mm. maybe get a house there. Yes. <laughs> um, work begins at 10 a.m. and ends at 7 p.m. with an hour break. There's overtime, of course, there is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's crazy that you can apply to this. I'm very excited, uh, Miyazaki's decided to come out of retirement, but they are definitely saying because he's in his 70s that this is probably his, his very last film. Yeah. Um, Takahata made, his last movie when he was 80. Yes. Right. And, and that movie, uh, Kuyuga. Yeah. Princess Kaguya. Kaguya. Um, like was, you know, uh, pushed back and back farther and further because he did not want to finish that movie. Yeah. Um, and so I can imagine it must be fucking hard being 80 years old and like hand drawing all these storyboards and like literally looking over everything. And especially for the wind rises, I imagine it was so personal to him and it's like, you know, yeah. really just... Well, I mean, that, a lot of them put money on the fact that he wasn't going to retire because he changed the ending last minute. And I don't want to say what the ending is, but, like, um, it's all throughout Kingdom of Madness and Dreams that, like, 
he has a very specific ending in mind, and it was very clear that that was going to be his, on his way out. Um, I don't know if he made it all the way through the documentary to the point where they actually watch it, but by the end of it, he's in tears, and he admits that he's like he like has to speak to that to, to the crew that made it. They do a crew only screening, and gets the end. And he stands up to speak, and he's like, "I'm in, I'm embarrassed because this is the first time my work has made me cry." Wow, and it's really beautiful. Um. The other thing I did want to mention, too, if there's any of these movies that you wanted to see, uh, there's actually, uh, in the U.S., they're doing a, a like, sort of, I think it's six months, uh, Miyazaki Film Festival uh, called Ghibli Fest. Casual. Yeah, it's good, be, being hosted by G-Kids and Fathom Events. If you don't know what Fathom Events are, they do a lot of the, like, restorations and screenings around the nation. Um, there's usually a theater in everyone's yeah. town that, that like, does it. Like AMC that they do the, if, like, the uh, opera, like the Met Opera stuff. Yes. And, um, um, the, uh, so uh, a different movie by Miyazaki will be showcased in the cinema uh, one uh, for two days, one a month beginning this June. So uh, Princess Mononoke, My Neighbor Totoro, Kiki's Delivery Service, uh, Castle in the Sky, um, Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind, um, and Spirited Away in October, and Howl's Moving Castle in November. Um, so yeah, it's six. It's close to six months, and uh, I would highly recommend going to go see them on the big screen. Yeah. Now, admittedly, most of these will be digital projections. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's worth seeing these animated Spirited films. Away is a great Halloween movie. Oh, absolutely. Well, the, even this article I found is like, just in time for Halloween, Spirit Away. Perfect. Um, and like, I, I might, you know, maybe I'll go see Totoro in June. Um, you need to go see Kiki. I do need to go see Kiki. Hello. In July. It's a good July movie. Uh, July 23rd and July 24th is when that'll be in theaters. But, uh, I'm excited that something that we're talking about, like, you can actually go, like, you can sort of see these yeah. repertory screenings. And, uh, and do that. So we picked a really good time to do this because it's May. Hello. Yeah. It's literally a month away. So yeah. Perfect. Uh, do we have some business to take care of? Oh, we do have some business to take care of. Uh, this week I put up the poll late and then I like fucked it up. So we didn't get a lot of votes, but no. And also just, uh, you know, you guys, you, you seem, you seem to like little white girls more than you like powerful black women. I'm just putting it out there. Maybe we're just gonna like let that simmer in the air, guys. Yeah. Okay? Think about what you've done. <laughs> Maybe give Whoopi Goldberg more credit and give her more votes. Uh, so we asked who what was your favorite Whoopi Goldberg movie, and with eight percent got Color Purple, seventeen percent, which was our pick, Boys on the Side, twenty five percent for Ghost, and fifty percent for Sister Act, which we should have known. Yeah, yeah, not, we not, kind of surprised. Uh, we I did get uh one comment from my friend Dennis. Who said I voted for Sister Act, but I but you know I mean Sister Act too, and and it's I was like we talked about that. I, I so I I made the poll and I was like I don't want to put like I want to put Sister Act too, but I'm not gonna put Sister Act too. Like I don't want to be that dick, but uh, but c- correct, Dennis. The uh, I also want to give a shout out. Uh, one of our listeners I met in real life. What? Yeah, uh, Clutter and Kindle on Twitter. Uh, her name is Melissa. She's a really, really cool person. She's actually been listening to me blather on through three of the five podcasts I've Damn, had. Yeah, true fan. Yeah, and uh, so thank you so much for listening, and it was awesome to get a chance to meet you. And uh, yeah. What did she say? Cool. She was just awesome. She was just cool in real life. But we we both went to, we're, we're very cultured people, mm. and we went to an Offenbach operetta, which will probably never be What'd performed. you call me? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Offenbach, um, how dare. Yeah, and uh 
No, she was just she was just real chill and real cool. And uh, did she yeah. tell you what her favorite Whoopi Goldberg movie was? No, she didn't. She you like, know it's what? A secret ballot. I take everything back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How dare you? But uh, but yeah, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Uh, I I'll do a quick rundown of where you can find us if you need to find us on Twitter. Yep. Not if you need to, if you want to, because uh-huh. you want to talk to us. If you want <laughs> more cool stuff from us, absolutely. You can contact us on Twitter at at mixed at the mixed reviews. Sorry, uh, Facebook where the mixed reviews. Mm-hmm. You can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail And if you want to find a place to subscribe to us, we are on iTunes, yeah. Stitcher Radio, yes. Google Play Music, uh-huh. and currently we're up on uh, SoundCloud, uh, which I think only still has two episodes up because there's a length limit, and I'm cheap. Um, but uh, same, but. Uh, but yeah, and uh, also at those, uh, all those places, I'm pretty sure you can leave a review or a like, mm-hmm. and please do that, because that helps other people find us. Yeah, guys, do and that. Just expand the audience. Leave us some nice notes. And if you have a suggestion as to an actor or director or filmmaker, when I say actor, by the way, I mean the universal term, that includes actresses. Uh-huh. I'm trying to be inclusive. If you have a suggestion for how... Gavin can get better at saying people's names, send them our way. No, that's never going to happen, sadly. <laughs> you should hear me speak Spanish. It is white boy to the max. Um, no gracias. <laughs> De nada. No? Not right? Limpiar la biblioteca. Wow. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. And, Thanks, guys. Um, we will see you in two weeks. Bye.